0: I love this story, the often told, well-known story about two friends, Bob and Jim, and they decided one day they were going to go on a hike, and they were going to go and try to hike up uh, into the mountain range, and so they they did just that. They got together and they met, they got up there on the mountain, they got on the trail and they started making their way up the trail on their hike, enjoying a great, great time together, and then all of a sudden they came to a stop. A sudden stop. As they looked up, they noticed about 50 yards ahead of them on the trail was a bear. And the bear was standing right there on the trail looking their way. And Bob started to freak out. He was nervous. He thought this could uh, be a really bad scene for them. And so he was freaking out. All the while, Jim calmly just sat down. He took his hiking boots off and he Uh, reached into his backpack, pulled out his running shoes, and put his running shoes on. And uh, Bob kind of laughed and said, what are you doing, Jim? He said, why are you putting on your running shoes? You cannot outrun a bear. And Jim said, who said anything about outrunning a bear? All I have to do is outrun you. (laughs) Stories, Stories are fun to share with others. Stories are fun to hear from others. Stories remind us to breathe, to relax, to smile. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 15, verse 4, for whatever is written in the past is written for our instruction so that we may have hope through endurance and through the encouragement from the Scriptures. For whatever is written in the past is a reference to the Old Testament. Paul affirmed God wrote the Old Testament for our Good, all scripture is inspired by God and it's useful for teaching us, rebuking us, correcting us and training us in righteousness so that each one of us will be complete in our faith, equipped and ready to do all that God has for us to do. For whatever's written in the past includes as well the Old Testament stories. Stories such as Noah and the ark. Stories of Joseph and how he was sold by his brothers to a traveling band of Midianites. How he ended up being sold into Egypt and he made it to Potiphar's house, the captain of the guard. And stories about how God promoted Joseph from the prison in Egypt to the palace in Egypt. Stories of Ruth, of Esther. David and Goliath, Samson and Delilah, Job, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel in the lion's den, and so many others. Paul reminded us in Romans 15 and verse 4 that God is the author of all these stories, and God uses these stories to bless us today. A few ways he blesses us. First is God's stories give us instruction. Paul wrote for whatever has been written in the past was written for our instruction. God's stories in his word teach us about God. Teach us about us. Teach us about one another and all those God places around us. God's stories teach us about how to know God's will. Teach us about How to follow and do God's will. God's stories teach us about how to live and love God's way. God's stories teach us about how to walk by faith, not by sight. God's stories teach us about the importance of obedience to God. Secondly, God's stories give us hope. Paul said, for whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction so that you may have hope. God's stories in his word remind us that God is with us today, just as he is with those in the scriptures, that God loves us today, just as he loved all those in the scriptures, that God will do what is best for us today, just as he always did what was best for those in the scriptures. God's stories remind us, they fill us with hope, because they remind us that God is not finished with us yet. He still has more to do in your life and in my life. And God's stories also give us encouragement. God has packed his word full of encouragement for you and me. God's word is full of encouragement for us to live his way day by day. God's word encourages us to endure in our faith in Jesus by the power of Jesus in all of our trials and tests and tribulations, our times of difficulty, challenge, and sufferings. God's word encourages us. The stories in his word encourage us to make whatever changes God wants us to make so that we can continue to become more and more like Christ Jesus. God's stories in his word encourage us to trust God at all times when it's easy to trust God and when it's not easy to trust God. When we understand what God is doing in our lives and when we don't understand what God is doing in our lives. When we like what God is doing in our lives and even when we don't necessarily like What God is doing in our lives. The encouragement from God's word creates in us a hunger for God's word. The more we get into God's word, the more it gets into us. And this encouragement from God's stories and God's word creates in us a desire, a hunger to get into God's word, to read God's word, to study God's word, to obey God's word, and to share God's word with those that God places around us, to discuss the truths of God's word with those God places around us. And I'm starting a new series this morning, and we're going to dive in to the Word of God, and we're going to dive in to a story in the Word of God. Because I believe God is going to continue creating in each of us a hunger for His Word through the encouragement that we receive from this well-known story that we find in the Old Testament scriptures. So if you have your Bibles with me, I wanna invite you to open them to Joshua chapter six. Joshua is towards the beginning of the Old Testament, the sixth book in the Old Testament. And uh, we're gonna get to Joshua chapter six in a few moments. This series that we're starting this morning is titled Follow the Leader, a story of how walls fall. I'm excited about what God is gonna teach us In this series, I'm excited about how God is gonna grow us in our faith in him in and through this series. And I am very excited about how God is going to call us, how God is going to convict us, how God is going to give us opportunities to share what we learn in this series with others. Remember, as followers of Christ, We are disciples of Christ. We are witnesses for Christ. But as followers of Jesus, we are ministers for Jesus. And so as we embark on this journey, in this passage, all that God has for us in these moments, but in the many moments that are still to come, we must remember that this truth that we're going to receive, even here this morning, this truth that we're going to have downloaded to us by God through his spirit at work in us, this truth is for us. It's for us first and foremost, but it's also meant to go through us to those that God's going to place around us. This truth is for us, but it's also for those that God's gonna place around us today in this week. And so we need to receive what God has for us and we need to apply it in our lives so that we'll be ready and we'll be able and we'll be excited to share what God has showed to us in his word with those that God is most certainly gonna bring our way this week. Because there's something that God wants us to share with someone and it's gonna be based on what He shares with us this morning. That's one of the main reasons why he's brought us here together as brothers and sisters in Christ so that we can get what he has for us, for ourselves, but also so that we can get what he has for those uh, that we're going to see, that we're going to interact with uh, this week. And so I want us to start, and as we get a start in this series, I want to make sure we're all on the same page. And so this is how we're going to start this series, and and we understand uh, that we're all on the same page, and it is simply this key point that we need to understand, the leader we follow is God. Say that with me out loud. The leader we follow is God. Let's personalize it. The leader I follow is God. One more time. The leader I follow is God. God is in charge, not us. God leads, we follow. God is the authority that we submit to every day in every way. Solomon told us, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Think about God in all your ways, and he will make your path straight. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Peter said, but set apart Christ as Lord in your hearts, in your lives. Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul said, we're to be imitators of God as dearly loved children and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave his life for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. God is the authority we submit to every day in every way. Authority and submission is from God. Authority and submission is seen in the Godhead. We believe in one God expressed in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They are distinct in their roles and attributes, but complete in unity. Jesus, God the Son, submitted to God the Father in The Father's will for him when he stepped out of heaven, took on flesh, and he came to earth to rescue us from our sins by his perfect life, death, burial, and resurrection. God the Holy Spirit submitted to God the Father as he waited to come and dwell in us at the moment of our salvation by God the Father. Once, Jesus, God the Son, had finished his mission on earth and ascended back into heaven. Authority? and submission is woven into our relationships today. We see this in the relationships between the government and us as citizens, employers and employees, coaches and players, teachers and students, elders and the church, husbands and wives, parents and children. We see this and the relationship between brothers and sisters in Christ, between our relationships with one another, as we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so we know and understand following the different leaders in our lives is important. Following God's leadership in our life is most important. Amen? Following His leadership. And so as we dive into this passage, as we look at this wonderful, incredible, amazing, outrageous Old Testament story, we know and understand that it's going to be vitally important for us to do what we see was done in this passage. And that is, we need to follow our leader. God is our leader. And as we follow our leader, as we follow God, walls fall before us. So look with me in Joshua chapter 6. I'll begin reading in verse 1, and we're, we're just going to read. We're going we're gonna to have a good time. We're going to read, uh, and uh, we're going to enjoy this passage, and we'll start uh, this morning to, to begin to apply and to take this passage apart and to see all that God has for us in this amazing story. Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. Now Jericho, was strongly fortified because of the Israelites. No one was leaving or entering. The Lord said to Joshua, Look, I have handed Jericho, its king and its best soldiers, over to you. March around the city with all the men of war. Circling the city one time, do this for six days. Have seven priests carry seven ram's horn trumpets in front of the ark, but on the seventh day march around the city seven times while the priests blow the trumpets. When there is a prolonged blast of the horn and you hear its sound, have all the troops give a mighty shout, then the city wall will collapse and the troops will advance each man straight ahead. So Joshua, son of Nun, summoned the priests and said to them, take up the Ark of the Covenant and have seven priests carry seven trumpets in front of the Ark of the Lord. He said to the troops, move forward, march around the city and have the armed men go ahead of the Ark of the Lord. After Joshua had spoken to the troops, Seven priests carrying seven trumpets before the Lord moved moved forward and blew the trumpets. The ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. While the trumpets were blowing, the armed men went in front of the priests who blew the trumpets and the rear guard went behind the ark. But Joshua had commanded the troops, do not shout or let your voice be heard. Don't let one word come out of your mouth until the time I say, shout, then you are to shout. So the ark of the Lord was carried around the city, circling it once. They returned to the camp, spent the night there. Joshua got up early the next morning. The priest took the ark, and the seven priests, carrying the seven trumpets, marched in front of the ark of the Lord. While the trumpets were blowing, the armed men went in front of them, and the rear guard went behind the ark of the Lord. On the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did this for six days. Early on the seventh day, they started at dawn and marched around the city seven times in the same way. That was the only day they marched around the city seven times. After the seventh time, the priests blew the trumpets, and Joshua said to the troops, "'Shout, for the Lord has given you the city, but the city and everything in it are set apart to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab, the prostitute, and everyone with her in her house will live, because she hid the messengers we sent. But keep yourselves from the things set apart, or you will be set apart for destruction.'" If you take any of those things, you will set apart the camp of Israel for destruction and make trouble for it. For all the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are dedicated to the Lord and must go into the Lord's treasury. So the troops shouted, the trumpet sounded. When they heard the blast of the trumpet, the troops gave a great shout and the wall collapsed. The troops advanced into the city. Each man straight ahead. And they captured the city. They completely destroyed everything in the city with the sword, every man and woman, both young and old, and every ox, sheep, and donkey. The story of Jericho is a story about following the leader. The story of Jericho is about authority and submission. The story of Jericho is about God's promises fulfilled. The story of Jericho is about God's power displayed. The story of Jericho is about God's people protected. The story of Jericho is about God's praise proclaimed. The story of Jericho is about how walls fall before us. So as we embark on this journey, I want to identify some key players in this amazing passage. Key players that we will identify today and next week that will help us to understand and receive all that God has for us in this passage. Some key players, some key points that we're going to learn more about as we look at this passage here over the next few weeks. The first is Joshua. Joshua was the leader of Israel, God's chosen people. Moses, the greatest leader in the history of Israel, had died. As you remember your Old Testament background knowledge, Moses and Aaron had led Israel out of bondage and slavery in Egypt. They led them to the Red Sea. They crossed over the Red Sea on dry ground. They made it to the other side of the Red Sea and then Moses led the Israelites through the wilderness after they had crossed the Red Sea. Moses led Israel near to but not into the promised land. This entire time this was happening, Joshua was the assistant to Moses. Joshua was Moses' right-hand man. Joshua served Moses well. Joshua followed Moses well. Joshua as we see here clearly in this passage, was ready for his next assignment from God. Joshua would be the one to lead the people of Israel into the promised land. The best leadership that we see in God's word, throughout God's word, Old Testament and New Testament, the best leadership that we see today in our lives, in our relationships, is servant leadership. It's servant leadership, I don't care about the company, I don't care about where it is you work or what it is you do, you will probably agree with me that when it comes to leadership, the best leadership, no matter what that area of work is, is servant leadership. The best leaders don't just demand and dictate, the best leaders do with and for others. Servant leadership marked Moses and Joshua. Moses and Joshua were servant leaders. Joshua, in particular, was a servant leader. And so we see Joshua is going to play a key role in this journey, in this passage. We know that the hero is God because God is the hero of every passage of Scripture. But Joshua is going to play a lead role in God's amazing story of Jericho, and we're going to learn more and more about him. Let me just give us a snapshot about Joshua here. It's a real quick snapshot. Uh, We'll learn more about him, but let's just take one quick snapshot and look at chapter six, and let's hone in on verse two. Let's take a peek, and we're going to just take this one verse, and we'll take a quick snapshot of Joshua. Verse 2, the Lord said to Joshua, let's stop there. You know I couldn't go much more than a couple words. The Lord said to Joshua, stop right there. Awesome blessing number one. Say that with me. Awesome blessing number one. If you're taking notes, write this down. Awesome blessing number one. Here it is. God spoke to Joshua. Are you kidding? God spoke to Joshua. That's awesome. Now, whether the commander of the Lord's army was an angel or a theophany, a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ, Joshua knew the message that he was hearing was from Almighty God. He knew it. And so we see in chapter 6, we pick up at the end of chapter 5. We continue into chapter 6. And the commander of the Lord's army that Joshua met up with at the end of chapter 5 is now speaking in chapter 6. Joshua heard from the Lord. Joshua took off his sandals because the ground he was standing on was holy ground. Joshua called the commander of the Lord's army, the Lord. He knew it was God who was speaking to him. Now, let me just share a real quick blessing for you and me today. Guess what? God speaks to us today. You know this as well as I do. I hope you know this. This is vitally important. For you to know, as a follower of Jesus Christ, this is of huge importance to know. God speaks to us today. The creator of the universe, the one who said, let there be, and there was. The one who hung the stars and the moon and the sun and the sky, he speaks to us today. God speaks to us by his Holy Spirit in us, through his word, through prayer, through one another, and through our circumstances. God speaks to us, and he speaks clearly to us by his spirit in us. As I was praying and praying and preparing for what God had for us next over these past several months, God made it clear to me. He continued to speak to me. Through circumstances, he spoke to me through my times of worship personally. He spoke to me through times of devotion in his word. And I wasn't even in this area of the Old Testament. I wasn't even thinking about Joshua. I wasn't even thinking about Jericho. And yet over and over and over again, over and over again, God continued to bring to my mind. And what I heard, what I saw, where I was, Joshua, Jericho, he continued bringing this to my mind. Until finally I said, okay, God, I'm getting in. I'm going in. I started to get in to this amazing story. Listen, God speaks to you by his spirit in you. And it's so encouraging, though, that our Father speaks to us. And he speaks to us in different ways. He convicts us of our sin, and we rejoice and praise God that he convicts us of our sin. Amen? Though it hurts our toes when he does that many times, As he brings that conviction clear and sharp, when we step outside of his will, when we step outside of obedience to him, he convicts us by his spirit in us because he loves us and he wants us to confess that sin so that he can forgive us our sins and restore our fellowship and continue moving forward with us and most importantly, us continuing moving forward with him. God speaks to us today by his spirit in us. He comforts us, he counsels us. He encourages us, he guides us, he leads us, he directs us, he tells us things we don't know, he tells us all the things that we need to know, he tells us when to say what we need to say, he tells us when not to say what we don't need to say, God speaks to you and God speaks to me. Okay, let's continue. The Lord spoke and said to Joshua, Look, I have handed Jericho, its king, and its best soldiers over to you. Stop right there, into verse two. Awesome blessing number two. Say, Awesome blessing number two. You see as well as I see it. God assured Joshua of victory before the battle, He assured Joshua of victory beforehand. We are victors. We are overcomers. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. We fight from victory, not for victory, because we've already won the victory in King Jesus. There is now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Nothing and no one can separate us from God's love for us in Christ Jesus. Greater is he who's in us than he who is in the world. And we see another example here of God assuring victory. For his kids. And this is such a blessing for you and me today. Jesus himself told us that he overcame so we can what? We can overcome. You and I have been assured victory in Christ Jesus. I am a victor in Jesus. Say that with me out loud. I am a victor in Jesus. That's for all times. He's assured us of our victory in Jesus. No matter what happens to us this morning, no matter how it happens to us this afternoon, no matter what happens to us this evening or this week, we're victors in Christ Jesus. He's assured us of that victory. Now what I want you to see here in this amazing verse 2, is we see a couple of doctrines here very clearly, a couple of doctrines. Number one, we see God's sovereignty on display in verse 2. Notice what the Lord said. The Lord said, I have given you, not I will. Don't miss this. I have is much different than I will. He said, look, I have handed Jericho, its king and its best soldiers over to you. He didn't say I will hand them over to you. He didn't say I'm thinking about handing them over to you. I'll see how you do. He said, I have handed them over to you. God's sovereignty, God declared it, that settles it. It's important that we believe it, but quite honestly, it doesn't matter if we believe it or not. God said it, that settles it. And so we see God's sovereignty here. He's in control. He's in charge. He does what's best, always. God, you are good. You do what is good. Teach me your statutes, as the psalmist declared and said. In verse three, we see man's responsibility on display. Look at verse three. March around the city. There we go. We don't have to go any further. March. Go. Follow. Obey. The Lord told Joshua, you got the victory. I've given it to you. March. That means follow me. Obey me. Go. And that's exactly what Joshua did. He went when God said go. He obeyed God. He followed God. He marched when and how God told him to march. That's what God wants for you and for me. He wants us to go when he tells us to go. He wants us to follow him, he wants us to obey him, he wants us to march by his grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. Remember, the words of that old hymn, they're onward Christian soldiers, marching as to war, not run and hide Christian soldiers, Not take a seat in the stands of the Christian life, Christian soldiers. Not bury your head in the sand, Christian soldiers. No, armor Christian soldiers marching as to war with the cross of Jesus going on before. And so we see just a snapshot here. In just these first couple of verses, a snapshot of the unbelievable truth that God has for us as we look through this amazing story. The second point that we need to look at is the Israelites. Uh, We talked about Joshua. Now let's talk about the Israelites. The Israelites are God's chosen people. Moses, again, led with Aaron, his brother's help. Moses led Israel out of bondage in Egypt. They plundered Egypt as they left Egypt, and they crossed the Red Sea on dry ground, and they made it Uh, through the wilderness. All of them made it through the wilderness. They saw what God did to the Egyptian army. And then they got up to the edge of the promised land. And it was at that point that Moses selected 12 spies. He selected a spy from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And he brought the 12 together and he said, guys, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to go into the promised land. I need you to cross over to the Jordan. I need you to go into the promised land. And I need you to go scout out the land. I need you to go take a peek at what's going on over there. I need you to give me a, bring me back a report. I want you to go check out and make sure everything is as God said it is. Go ahead and go forward and uh, bring us back a report. And so that's exactly what happened. Those 12 spies went and uh, they made their way into the promised land. And they took account of all that they saw. They even brought back some of the fruit. And when those 12 spies came back, two spies said, let's go. Ten spies said, oh, no. Those ten spies, those faithless spies, they said, we cannot go into the promised land. There's no way. We can't do it, he said. They said, the people are too big for us. The people are too strong for us. Those spies even said, they make us look like grasshoppers compared to them. Imagine that. You know, that's not going to strike a whole lot of confidence in you when you hear that. And the Israelites, upon hearing this, they chose to listen to. They chose to believe the ten instead of the two. They believed the faithless spies rather than the faithful spies. You know who those two faithful spies were? Joshua and Caleb. The scriptures tell us that they, the Israelites wept loudly. They got angry with Moses and Aaron for leading them out of bondage and slavery in Egypt. Are you kidding me? They even got together and they decided, here's what we're going to do. We're going to hold a quick election. We want to appoint a new leader because we don't like Moses and Aaron, and we want to appoint a new leader, and we're going to ask that new leader to take us back into Egypt, to take us back into bondage and slavery. You've got to be kidding me. They were literally freaking out, not thinking correctly. They were actually walking in disobedience to God. God chose to discipline that generation of Israelites for the lack of faith in him. Those Israelites, that generation, wandered in the wilderness, as you know, for 40 years. As God said, until that entire faithless generation of my people who saw my power at work in Egypt, who saw what I did as as I brought them out of Egypt, who saw what I did as I brought them across the Red Sea, as they saw what I did as I fed them manna every single day, I guided them by a light in the sky. That generation, that faithless generation, none of them will see and enter and take possession of the land that I have promised to them and... That's exactly what happened. The Israelites wandered for 40 years until that generation passed in the wilderness. And then God declared, it's time. The new, young, courageous, faithful generation of Israel had risen up, had grown up from their time growing up in the wilderness while the older generation passed. And it was this new, young, courageous, faithful generation of Israelites that was led by Joshua to move into the promised land. And that's where we pick up in the book of Joshua. This is where we pick up in the story of Israel. We pick up with now Joshua and this young, courageous generation, large number of Israelites ready to move forward by faith following Joshua's lead, ultimately following their leader, Almighty God. The third point we need to look at is the promised land. The promised land is the land that God had promised to give to Israel, his chosen people, years and years and years and years before. The land was known as Canaan. You'll read about it in Scripture. It's known as Canaan. It's the land of Israel today. Joshua and the Israelites had always been very serious about the promised land because it had been promised and given to them by Almighty God. And, oh, by the way, they're still serious about their land today. And as the history of this world continues to be written, they will continue to be serious about their land today because it was a land given to them by Almighty God. And so we see this promise, this covenant promise, was made initially all the way back in the Old Testament to Abram, who God later changed his name to Abraham. We're more familiar with him as Abraham, but he's Abram. And so we look in Genesis chapter 13. If you want to turn to your left real quick, go to Genesis. You'll, you'll be able to follow with me. I'm going to share uh, some scripture here. Uh, we're going to look at the scripture real quick uh, about uh, this promise, the promised land, and it was given uh, to the Israelites. And so we'll begin Genesis 13. Beginning in verses 14 and 15, After Lot is separated from him, the Lord said to Abram, Look from the place where you are, look north and south, east and west, for I will give you and your offspring forever, all the land that you see. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust of the earth, then your offspring could be counted. In Genesis 15, in verses 18 through 21, On the day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, I give this land to your offspring from the brook of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates River, the land of the Kenites, Kenizzites, Cabanites, Hethites, Perizzites, Rephaim, Amorites, Canaanites, Gergesites, and Jebusites. If you look in Genesis chapter 17, verses 7 and 8, Uh, The Lord said, I will confirm my covenant that is between me and you and your future offspring throughout their generations. It is a permanent covenant to be your God and the God of your offspring after you. And to you and your future offspring, I will give the land where you are residing, all of the land of Canaan as a permanent possession, and I will be their God. God reaffirmed. He confirmed his covenant, not just with Abraham, but with Isaac, with Jacob, and with Moses. In Exodus chapter 6, in verse 8, in Exodus uh, chapter 6, in verse 8, we read that the Lord said to Moses, I will bring you to the land that I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. God promised Moses that he would give this promised land, not just to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, but also to him. It was a promise to Moses. Now, God made this promise. He reaffirmed. He confirmed his covenant promise to Moses while Moses in Israel was still in Egypt in bondage. And now God also confirmed his covenant promise to give the promised land to his people, the people of Israel, in Joshua chapter 1. Beginning of verse 1 he confirmed his covenant promise to Joshua. Look in Joshua chapter one, beginning verse one. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you and all the people prepare to cross over to Jordan to the land I am giving to Israelites. I have given you every place where the sole of your foot treads, just as I promised Moses. Your territory will be from the wilderness and Lebanon to the great river, the Euphrates River, and all the land of the Hittites, and the west to the Mediterranean see. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous for you will distribute the land I swore to their fathers to give to them as an inheritance. God has made his will clear in his word. His promise was made, his possession was theirs, It was Joseph who now had the assignment to lead God's people of Israel into the promised land. What God wanted was faith and obedience. What God wanted was faith and obedience. God wanted Joshua and Israel to believe him, number one, and to demonstrate their faith in him by their obedience to him not just to say I believe you but to show it by their obedience our application this morning as we get off to a good start on this series is real simple God is writing His story in your life and in my life. God is writing His story just like He did with Joshua that we're reading about. Understand, He's writing His story in your life and in my life. Our lives tell the story of how God radically saved us by his grace through our response of faith and trust in him. Our lives tell the story of how we've been brought from spiritual death to spiritual life. Our lives tell the story how we were rescued from the domain of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of the son God loves. Our story our lives tell the story of how we have received forgiveness to sin by the blood Jesus shed for us on the cross of Calvary. Our, sto- our lives tell the story of how God has taken us in our brokenness, in our messiness, and he is putting us back together again day by day, moment by moment, step by step. Our lives tell the story of God's work in us, for us, through us, and around us. Our lives tell the story of how God is able to do immeasurably more above and beyond all we can ask, think, or imagine according to his power that is alive and at work in us. Our lives tell the story of God's transforming work of grace in us, making us more and more like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What God wants, what God wants, is faith in obedience. God wants us. God wants you and God wants me. God wants us to believe him. To believe him and what he has declared to us about himself and about us. He wants us to believe him and he wants us to show our faith in him by our obedience to him. He wants us to walk by faith, not sight. He wants us to walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. As many have said before, and we're going to wrap our minds around this even more as we make our way through this series. But as many have said before, faith is being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Faith in Jesus, this faith that we're talking about, is being comfortable with being uncomfortable. One of the main reasons for this is because God chooses, based on his sovereign will, to mature us and our faith in him through trials. And as much as we try to avoid those trials, tests and tribulations, and as hard as we pray to get us out of those trials and tribulations as quickly as possible, God Uses those trials and tribulations. As we trust Him in our trials, God uses those trials to mature us in our faith in Him. And so as we pray in those trials, God give me relief, God give me an answer, God bring me out, we certainly can pray. Those prayers, but we must always understand and pray. But yet, God, your will be done. Because, God, if you're not going to do that right yet, then you got something more that I got to learn. You got some more stuff that I got to change. See, God has packed His Word full of His promises to us. God has placed His Holy Spirit in us to guide us. God has put His people around us to encourage us. And God gives us His all sufficient transforming rescuing strengthening saving grace each day so that we can show our faith in him by our obedience to him so what God's asking for you and what he's asking for me once again this morning is faith it's obedience it's to believe in him wherever you're at whatever it is you're dealing with whatever the challenge is whatever your request is whatever your prayer whatever is going on in your life and your relationships God's asking us once again, as we're reading in this story of Joshua, we now take time and reflect on the story that is being written by God in our lives. And he's asking us to believe him. To believe he is who he says he is. To believe what he has promised us in his word. And he's asking us to show our faith in him by our obedience to him. And you see, when we follow our leader, walls fall before us. When we follow our leader God, we see the walls of anger, bitterness, doubt, discouragement, fear, greed, hurt, loneliness, pride, unforgiveness, worry, and all the other walls that we tend to allow to be built in our lives, they come crashing down before us. So that we, like Joshua, like the Israelites years and years ago, so that we today can walk freely and fully in our victory in Christ Jesus in the midst of whatever it is that's going on in our lives in the midst of whatever is happening to us, in the midst of whoever is coming against us, in the midst of the blessings and the mountaintops in our lives, in the midst of the valleys and difficulties in our lives, and in the midst of every step in between, as we follow our leader, walls fall before us and we're able to walk in the victory and the freedom that is ours in King Jesus. So the question is, what step of faith or obedience, is God asking you to take this morning? What is it? What is it? And whatever that is, and I wholeheartedly believe Almighty God is speaking and answering that question for each one of us. Whatever that step is, then let me encourage you. March. Follow. Follow. Take that step of faith. Walk in obedience to God and He will empower you to freely and fully walk in your victory in Jesus. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. Our worship team is going to come and they're going to lead in this time of response. Following our leader, requires us to exercise our faith muscles. And we know this because God tells us in his word, uh, it's impossible for us to please him without faith. Without believing he is who he says he is. Without believing he will do what he has promised to do. And then he always asks us to demonstrate that faith and that belief with our feet. That's why he said, march. Move your feet. Follow your leader. Our prayer partners will be staying here at the front. They would love to pray with you and pray for you. Wherever you're at, whatever's going on in your life, we encourage you to march, to march forward by faith, to march forward in obedience. Trusting and knowing that your leader, your almighty God will be there and he will empower you every step of the way. Victory is ours in Jesus. You may want to go and grab a brother or sister in Christ. Maybe he's going through a challenging time of difficulty. Come and kneel and pray. These prayer partners would love to pray with you, pray for you. That's what we do. That's who we are. We're family. We pray with one another. We pray for one another. they love to go to the Father on your behalf. If you've yet to receive God's gift of salvation by his grace through your faith in Jesus, it's the good news of the gospel. Today is a day of salvation. Jesus took your place on the cross. He paid your price for sin. He died on the cross. He was buried in the tomb. On the third day, he rose again victorious over sin and death for you. And as we sang earlier, the only way for us to get to a relationship with our Father God is through faith in Jesus who is the way and the truth and the life. We would love to introduce you to Jesus this morning. Today is a day of salvation for you. It's the day for us to march forward as brothers and sisters in Christ and minister with one another, minister to one another, encouraging, blessing, praying with and praying for one another. As God is leading, let's show our faith in him by our obedience to him. Let's stand and worship him.